Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone. Do you know I was just thinking that a lot of people have a standard way of greeting people when they come back. (laughs) I don't know what mine is. Just hi. Hi. Welcome back to our second episode of the week. And we are diving into burnout today. And as I mentioned Monday, I loved this conversation with Nicole. I loved geeking out (laughs) on Jane Austen. So stay tuned for that bit. Um, But really, I think this is such an important topic. And I am someone who is definitely guilty of burning the candle at both ends. And um, kind of overworking and, and that sort of thing. Uh, although, as I mentioned, I have got better at recognising the signs in myself. And actually, over the last couple of weeks, I think I mentioned before about my going back to the gym. And so now two weeks, um, two weeks in to going Monday to Friday every morning. And actually, I've been then, I, I did mention this last week, because I talked about sort of stacking the habits and that then I'm getting more sleep, I'm hydrating more and, and all of the, that. And Last week, I added in in the evening, either going for a walk or the couch to 5k, which I said I would do. Um, So kind of walking or running or something to just sort of stretch out the muscles a little bit and not feel so stiff. But last week, I definitely noticed a more chilled pace where I felt like I had more time, even though I was going to bed earlier, that I was getting more done, that I felt more refreshed. And actually, I was just chilling out a bit about everything because I sometimes get into this cycle of I have to do all this stuff and I have to be busy and I guess I was just thinking why (laughs) why not just really prioritize what is important and then cut myself some slack and chill out a little bit and so that's kind of where my head was at last week Um, and going into this week um, you know I'm recording this Sunday night I'm quite tired I'm it's coming up five o'clock I kind of tempted to have a power nap, which <laughs> I love and it's something that we talked about in this episode, but I think I will wait and maybe just get an extra early night. That's the real skill is tuning into your body and listening to it and adjusting and not stressing so much about the shoulds, I should do this, I must do this. And just really, I guess, reassessing what is important. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, where I'm at with my my kind of fitness, whatever, and just generally... And as I said, I I loved this conversation. I think Nicole and I were very much on the same page for lots of stuff. And listening back, I feel like I was very giggly and uh, (laughs) through it, which just kind of shows, I think, the the connection. And it was a fun conversation. So I really hope that you get a lot out of it and that you really think about your own self-care and how you're doing. And if you need to take a break to make that time for yourself to do that. So as always, I'll be back super quick afterwards. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And I'm really happy to welcome Nicole to the podcast this week. So Nicole, if you could introduce yourself to listeners and tell us a little bit about you. And I'm really excited to be here. So I am an intuition coach, which is something that I made up myself, just so you know, because everybody asks me, what is that? And for me, intuition coaching is all about learning to listen to yourself and put your needs first because no one else will. 
So um, I believe that that is what led me to burnout um, in 2018. I have had my own business since 2014 and I was doing marketing. And then I hit this huge wall in 2018 and I didn't know what to do. And that's when I realized that I was in burnout and worked through that. And now I help other entrepreneurs who struggle to even have five minutes to take a coffee break in the middle of their day and to take time for themselves so that they can enjoy their downtime and not feel guilty and take a vacation without uh, having to work during it, right? Mm, yeah, I think firstly, I mean, that's the great thing about coaching is you can just kind of brand yourself however you want. That's what I did. I just made up, yeah. <laughs> just made up mine as well. Yeah. And so burnout is something and um, I can't remember what number it was now. But I did a, a podcast on burnout previously back in uh, season one. And there's something I know when we connected um, that you referenced this idea that we don't like to admit that we aren't coping. And I just really would love to start there and get your thoughts on why you think that is. Why do you think it's such a block for us to say, do you know what? I need a little bit of help or I'm, I'm struggling a bit. with this. I think that a lot of times we have this expectation that success has to look a certain way or that we have, uh, we need to do a certain amount of things in order to be valuable, be valued by other people. Uh, one thing that I've worked through a lot is that I used to believe that I needed to do things for people in order to receive love. It's a very basic concept that I've had for a long time, right? So working through that was something that I had to learn that I have value even if I don't do anything useful. I have value just because I am who I am. I'm a person and I, I have value because of that. And so a lot of times how this plays out, um, we have business or we have a family or something like that. We really care about it. We want it to be successful. And we have these goals and dreams and things that we want to have happen. And so we keep pushing and we do more and we do more. And we see people on social media who are killing it. And we're like, oh, I want to be that person. Or they're amazing or whatever. We see them not thinking, oh, that might be a staged photo or a staged story. Or who knows what their backstory is, right? But a lot of times we see that and we think, oh, I need to do more. And we just keep pushing. And then with technology, sometimes having those boundaries, setting up of uh, when are you communicating with people? What are the expectations that others have of you? For example, as a business owner, are you going to answer emails at eight at night because you get it from a client? Or are you going to be like, no, this probably really is an emergency. I can do it in the morning. So those habits, I used to have a lot of those habits and I would I didn't have tons of boundaries, and so I was just trying to make my business successful. That's all I really wanted, and I got on this treadmill where I, I would work really hard, and the harder I worked, the less time I had, so then I felt guilty because I, didn't, I would forget appointments. I wouldn't attend things. If it wasn't in my Google calendar, I'd, for, I'd completely uh, just, it didn't exist, basically. So when you're scheduling like time with your husband, um, or downtime in your Google Calendar, that's a sign that you've got too many commitments. And I just kept doing that for so long that I felt like it was almost okay to be in burnout if I was successful. So in this time when I burned out, I was making the most money I'd ever made in my business. And I was successful. But at the same time, I was using caffeine to get myself going in the morning or I was using sugar in the afternoon um, when I needed that pick-me-up. I was forgetting to eat lunch because that project was so important and I had to work on it. I, 
I got to the point where um, I didn't realize all these habits that I had. And they were really signs of burnout and I was okay with it because I was successful. So getting to that point and then all of a sudden everything started falling apart, which I can share that story if you would like. Um, that was pretty in intense and it led to some big shifts that I needed to make that said that it wasn't okay to be in burnout and I could still be successful with taking time for myself. I suppose if you've got this really just a narrow concept of what success looks like linked to say money or, or how much business you have, you're not, you're not considering all those other things that all the other areas of your life. And it sounds like it's that vicious circle, isn't it? That you kind of feel guilty that you don't have enough time for stuff or that your business is not doing well. So you put more time into it and then you never have time for anything and you're really tired. So you put more time into it and it's just, like I just I'm just visualizing now I'm doing a hand gesture of like a hamster on a wheel that you're just like trying to go and you can't keep up with everything because you're just in this circle of tired guilt basically right and there's a time when I ask some people who are who are there and living that and have chosen that and that's fine I ask them where are you on your to-do list where have you taken time for yourself and normally they, they can't answer me because their needs are so low on that list of everything that needs to get done, whether they're a mom or an entrepreneur or they're um, a student or whatever that is that looks like for them, a lot of times they just don't have that. They haven't created that space for themselves yet because they don't think it's important. I suppose that links to that kind of message you get through life. And if it's when you're at school, it's not like, oh, well, remember, you've got to look after yourself as well. It's like career is important. This is important family are important and and ourselves and our self-care is just nowhere really on the list and it's so important and the analogy I mean I've used them in the last couple of weeks quite a bit this idea of having to nurture yourself first like fill yourself up so that you can give to other people and and it's this idea I think that logically a lot of us have but really struggle to actually do it in practice. Absolutely. I feel like we have a cup and we give and give and give and give. And then we're trying to give from the dregs and we don't have anything left, but we're trying to still give out. And instead, I want to ask people to be like, what if you were to give from an overflowing cup? What if you were to fill yourself up and then give from the extra instead of the small amount that you have left? But that means you have to put up a boundary and be like, no, I have to take care of myself before I can give to anybody else mm. and I guess there's so much programming there about success looks like this and if I'm successful I do all this that you have to un unravel a little bit to be like actually no I can't do that I need to do this and like you just, like we said all those feelings of guilt and everything come up but that's so important and so um, we've talked a little bit about um, your experience and your, your burnout in um, 2018. And was there a point where you recognized, oh, this, this is happening? Or did it almost just like sneak up on you and suddenly, it, oh, I can't do this anymore? I had no idea what was happening. I, it started about six months before it came to like a head. And I got to a point where I was just almost in shutdown level of burnout. So I see it as a spectrum, right? We, there are three signs of burnout. One is that you feel you have really low energy. You're really tired all the time. 
The second one is that you have a lack of confidence. And the third one is that the work that you do doesn't matter. And so we can feel really tired at different times. After the holidays, we can be a little burnt out from our families, right? Um, but when you get to feeling all three of those signs, that's when you're on the other side, the arc, where you're headed towards burnout, if not already in burnout. And then I feel like there's this point of like shutdown where it's like, that's when everything falls apart and it implodes and it's just like, what is going on? And I can't go any, anymore and I don't know what's happening. And so I try and help people before they get to the shutdown place because that's what I got to. And I didn't know what's going on. And the only way I found out was that my husband is a teacher and we were doing a class for him so he didn't burn out. And he started being like, you know, I think that you're showing some of these signs and some of this stuff we're talking about sounds really applicable to what you're telling me. And so it turned out that I was in burnout way more than he was. And it helped me realize um, some of the things that were going on. Some of the things that I didn't even realize were connected with burnout, like being really angry. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't have any creativity. I didn't have any ideas or solutions. And for a marketer, that's not a good place to be in. And I, I was so low that I would just sit on the couch and like, I didn't care about cleaning the house or getting groceries or things like that. And I took time off to get better, a week off to get better, right? And make everything better. And by the end of the week, I was so much, I was more tired than I was at the beginning of the week and going to get groceries felt like I was planning a trip to Mount Kilimanjaro. It was, it was just an insane amount of how tired I was. And, and I'm a very energetic person and I normally am very passionate and driven and, and do all these things. And so being in that place was terrifying. Sometimes you, you kind of keep going and when you stop, and I used to be a teacher and you quite often get this in the holidays, you get to the holiday and then you get sick because <laughs> your body is just like, I've stopped now. <laughs> stop now. And you kind of think, oh, I'm going to have a break. No, because yeah, your body suddenly everything hits you um yeah and I, I just think this this idea of a week and that's how we function isn't it and I think possibly this might be a good thing that comes out of this whole COVID experience is you know I, I remember the number of times that you feel a bit sick you have a bug but you're like I have to go to work because that's what's expected or I'm really struggling but I have to go to work and hopefully we're you know, going to see a change where we kind of go I'm not very well. I need to take a proper amount of time to get better because a week is, for, you know, for this, not enough time, is it? It isn't. It isn't. It's, it's really interesting because we, we push for so long and then we expect our bodies to just bounce back in the small amount of time that we give them. And so you're right. Coronavirus, I think, is a great opportunity to take that breather and say, okay, so you have some extra time now or a lot of extra time. What are you doing for yourself in that time? Because there's probably not going to be another time when we get an entire month off or more to have that, that ability to take that breath and just say, oh, what have I been doing that isn't serving me, that isn't that is taking my energy? And that's really what was going on as I was doing all these things and giving all my energy to all these places that were taking it and I, I didn't feel replenished. Sometimes we have to do that, right? We can't, like doing dishes doesn't really replenish my energy, but I still have to do that as an adult. Um, but there are ways that you can identify things that you don't like to do that really suck up your energy and your commitments that you have. And releasing those can be so freeing 
giving yourself permission to say no. That's something that I work with my clients on is just being able to say, you know what? I need to put myself first. So I need to say no to this, to family events, to gatherings, to networking meetings, whatever that looks like. And a lot of times we experience a guilt. We feel guilt from saying no, um, especially as women. And there's a really important concept that I learned that really helped me. And it's if it doesn't work for you, then it won't work for them. So an example of this is when I pushed myself to go to a networking meeting that I really didn't want to go to, but I was so tired. I was just like, I have to go and do it. I just have to because I'm here and I could maybe get a client. And the entire time I stood in that corner just being like, nobody look at me. Nobody talk to me. I don't want to like do anything. Please don't acknowledge my presence. And I spent the entire hour doing that. And it's, I want to think about it in a different way and say, what if I take that hour to take a nap or to read a book or do something that would recharge me so that maybe I could have showed up differently because obviously that time was not well spent <laughs> for me or for the people who are networking there. Yeah, I suppose if you're looking for a coach to work with and it's like, oh, I can work with that coach in the corner who's miserable and isn't talking to anyone, it's not really, it's not really that image that you want to present, <laughs> is it? So it's, like you said, it, it's not, it's not serving anyone and I think that uh, probably for everyone but yes particularly for women there's this idea that if you're going to say no you have that because I've got to tell you this whole big story of why I can't do the thing and justify it rather than just be like no sorry I can't do that that just feels so hard to us for some reason yeah I think sometimes if you try and justify it you end up coming up with something that just sounds like nonsense. <laughs> just giving an excuse. It just gets out of control. It's like if you're like in films where someone tells a lie and it gets really ridiculous because it feels like that's how it goes because you have to really justify why you can't possibly do this thing. Whereas actually, possibly, if you just said no, that would be maybe not always fine because some people might be. I think maybe partly it's if you've always been the person that says yes, that is someone's idea of you, isn't it? And so again, it's we have our own ideas of ourselves and other people have these ideas of us. And if you're changing them, sometimes there can be a bit of pushback there. So do you have any recommendations if someone is really focusing on themselves and what they need and there's someone who's being a bit resistant to that? Yeah. So there's, there's two sides. Um, I have been in the shoes of uh, having someone invite me to go to uh, my grandma's birthday party who was older much older and could have died she actually died the next year and I there's there's always that thought in the back of your head right I need to go because this could be her last and at the time I was working through this and I had to sit down and I meditated that's something that I picked up with working throughout burnout um, but it gave me an opportunity to say do I have energy to give to this how do I feel and then when I realized that I didn't, and I didn't want to go, and I was really resistant to it, then when I can come from a place of saying, this is what's best for me, this is what I need, then I'm able, it's a lot easier to tell someone no. Because then when they say, well, why not? You can say, well, I need this. I'm really run down. I'm really tired. You can say, I am these things. And then that's you acknowledging yourself. And also, if that person can't respect that, then that's an opportunity to say, maybe this isn't the best relationship. Maybe the relationship needs some different boundaries. 
or maybe I need to move away from this person. If you're related to them, it might be harder to move away from them, right? But there are circles that we have and we get to choose who's in our inner circle and who's in the circles that are farther away. And they may be someone who's related to us, but we don't necessarily connect with. They can still be there, but you don't give them as much credence, as much energy, as much attention if they're on that outer circle. So it's kind of starting to reevaluate what is helping me and what is holding me back. And when you can't even see it and you don't even know where your energy is at, that can be really hard. So if you're on some level of burnout and being like, I just, I don't even know what to do. So I just say yes to everything. Then what my suggestion is, is to have people start to spend $5 on something that will bring a smile to their face. And it sounds like a really small amount. You can do like five to $10. I love fresh cut flowers. And so I will go and buy myself from fresh cut flowers, which some people think is completely stupid and a waste of money, which is fine, but it brings a smile to my face. And so some people spend it on coffee. Some people spend it on sushi. What would you spend $5 on Hannah? Oh, um, I don't know if you have Lush, the shop that has like bath bombs and stuff. They do these amazing bath bombs and that, they're amazing and I remember I went traveling with my friend and we were in uh, we were in Chile and there was a lush in this in this um, shopping precinct that we went to it was small and I bought a lush bath bomb which I then had in my bag the rest of the time because we stayed in that place we were staying and had a bath and I was like yes that night the um it was an airbnb the the people we were staying with had moved their plants into the bath to wash <laughs> the water them and I was like no bath. So I had this bath bomb the rest of the time. So my, all my bags smell amazing, but there's something that actually, this is really a really sweet thing that my, my partner does sometimes if he is in working in the city near Lush and if he knows I'm having a stressful time or I'm really busy, he will buy me this bath bomb. And it's a very small thing, but it's just, when I have a bath, I um, usually read in the bath. I might listen to music. I normally have a cup of tea or something like that put a face mask on and I just zone out and with a bath bomb it's just my space and I can just disconnect from everything and so it's really simple but that is absolutely what I'd spend on that's perfect or Nutella because I love Nutella Nutella's the best <laughs> yeah the best Nutella's the only thing that got me through living in Buenos Aires um yeah it was super important um but yeah perfect so it's like something super small like that, but when you buy that bath bomb, it gives you permission to go and do some self-care time in the bath and doing that. Even, I totally understand when you're traveling, you, finding baths is very challenging, and that's hilarious that they put their plants in the tub. But that's a, that's a really great notice. So it's like when you start to get frustrated or grumpy or are overwhelmed, doing something really small like that, it helps you realize, oh, this is what it feels like when I'm happy. I feel joy. I am smiling because I have this thing. And every time I look at it or every time I experience it, it brings a smile to my face. So the more you do that, then you're building that capacity to say, this is what good energy feels like. So when something happens that pulls your energy, you're much more aware of it and being like, oh, that, that didn't feel good. That person's like an energy vampire. I don't want to be around that person anymore. I think I'm going to figure out a way not to. And that's kind of where my, I help my clients um, work through some of those things to identify 
what is serving you, what's giving you energy and what doesn't. And let's remove the things that don't give you energy to the best of our ability. Mm, I think that awareness is so key, isn't it? Because if you're in this cycle of just go, 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 you are not really in tune with your body and what's going on and how you're feeling because you're just going through the motions and actually when you can connect with how something feels so like you said that this is what good energy feels like this is what a joyful moment feels like this is what a negative experience feels like and you can actually listen to your body and I for myself when I sort of I don't know whether I would say I got to like a a real burnout but I I kind of refer to it as like the overwhelm before you get there and for me uh, when I was able to recognize the flags the things that for me, when I could then see them popping up, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I'm doing that thing again. And you'd mentioned before about caffeine and sugar. And I found I was, when I was feeling this overwhelm, I would just go and grab like junk food from somewhere. And then I'd end up with this, this just sounds awful, this pile of like wrappers in my car. And like one day I'm driving, I look over and I'm like, oh, I'm not in a particularly good place because look <laughs> at the state of my car. I hadn't been consciously aware of it, but that is, that's one of my flags, that sugary, fatty food, because I don't have the energy and my body's craving it. And actually, now I know that's a flag for me when, when I get into that pattern, hopefully, before I get to that further stage on that spectrum, I've got that awareness. So I think just echoing what you said, that's so important. It is. It, that's amazing too, that you've discovered what your unique ones are. A lot of times people are like, well, how do I know if I'm overwhelmed? How do I know what it looks like for me? And so sometimes I'll use emotions. Like for me, when I get really grumpy, I know that that means that I've pushed myself too much and I need to do self-care time. I need to take a nap, read a book, take a bath, whatever it is. I need to pull back and recharge myself. And in the past, my motivation when I felt like I was grumpy was like, I just need to push through it. And now it's, I need to pull back and I need to do something different. Or when I go to the cupboard and I get a lot of snacks in the afternoon, I'm snacking and snacking and snacking. I'm like, oh, that means I'm bored with what I'm doing instead of, well, why is my day so long and this just sucks and I just have to get through it. Being like, oh, I'm bored. So I don't want to be in burnout because part of my burnout was being bored with what I was doing and I could only do like 15 minutes of work and then I take an hour long break and I still wouldn't feel motivated, which is very strange for me to be in. And so I'm really more sensitive to some of those things and paying attention to what actions are happening that then are saying, Hey, we need to, we need to take a break. Normally it's I need to take a break. I need downtime. I need to take a break. Yeah. And can I just say naps are amazing. <laughs> I love a nap. <laughs> when I can have one. Yeah. But I was just And a, like a 40 minute nap can increase, increase your productivity by 20%. I mean, I just love naps. And I probably, when I have a nap, I probably don't sleep, but I just like have that kind of close my eyes, daydream a little bit. It's just chilled. Um, but I was just thinking as, as you were saying that, 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 that sense of boredom, that the same a certain situation could have a completely different feeling behind it. So I was thinking, <laughs> I was a bit tired this morning because I was up until like nearly 3 a.m. working on something. Now, <laughs> there could be two feelings. It could be, I'm really busy, I'm really stressed, I've got to get this done. The feeling I had was <laughs> I was on a roll with a project that I just decided earlier that day was going to be a thing. And I was buzzing with excitement. So I couldn't sleep because. I was so lit up and excited about something. 
And so that is a completely different feeling. And, and yes, it meant I was tired today, but I don't feel burnt out today because actually it wasn't from a place of I have to do this, like punishing myself and I'm bored. It was, I actually can't go to bed because I'm too excited and I'm on a roll. But it's the same situation. It's about that, that feeling. Yes. Yes, it is. Like sometimes I'll make a poor choice and I'll stay up all night and binge read a book and I'll finish the book at like 2 a.m., which is not always the most, the best choice or 3 a.m. when I have to get up at like 7. But normally that day, even if I'm tired, I still have good energy because I'm like, that really served me just to read that whole book and just disappear in that world for the five hours I read it or whatever. And then I can go about my day and really feel I, I'm okay. I feel good, even though I'm really tired and wish I had slept a little bit more. I've 100% done that. <laughs> the book. I did it one Christmas. I was staying at my brother's. So it wasn't the most comfortable because I was sleeping on the sofa. And I think oh, it was possibly Christmas Eve into Boxing Day. I didn't sleep at all because I was reading a book. And I think it was at like five or six. So I was like, oh, I finished the book. I'll sleep for an hour. But it was, it was cool. I was, like you said, I was so into it and into that world that it was, that it was fine. Yeah. I feel I'm just waffling now. I'm in this like really excited, like, oh, these are the things that excite me. So I'm going to ask you one of my set questions to refocus <laughs> myself, at least. <laughs> so, and actually uh, this one, it does link perfectly, actually, because we've just been talking about these things that bring you joy. And so the staying up all night reading is, is something that is bringing you joy. And so my question is, what always boosts your mood? What brings you joy in your life? So I love, um, I, I'm a big, I've done a lot of theater and I love costumes. Um, being on the stage is a lot of fun, but I realize that I have a big love of costumes, period costumes, um, Victorian uh, and Regency and uh, Elizabethan costumes. Those are my favorite. Um, so I live near Bath. Uh, in England, there is a, really uh, yes, there is the oh, that's so cool. There is the Jane Austen Museum, and there's usually yes. when it's open, people who are dressed up in the street, just in the period thing. So when you're saying that, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I have not gone and done it yet, but I want to be one of those people. I love Pride and Prejudice, and have been have been in a play production <clears throat> of Pride and Prejudice as Lizzie Bennet, which was like my dream. Wow. that's my big nerdy <laughs> right there I love Pride and Prejudice but but in my personal opinion it has to be the five hour long BBC production with yes. Colin Firth it can't be a film it, ha- it, can't, no. it has to be that and I will watch it in one sitting it's the best one it's the others have some merit but it's the best one I just it's it's amazing I love it it's so yeah. cool well, all the characters are like so perfect. Yeah, it's just like anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Going off. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so glad though that someone else that knows like the five hour one and like that. That is true. Like Austenite, Pride and Prejudice, nerd, love it. I that's that's my favorite one. And I remember when we were in um, language arts class and we were like, I'd never read Pride and Prejudice. I'd heard about it, but they were like, we're gonna show the movie of it, and I was just like, oh my god really it's one of those old movies we just read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein we were doing classical literature on all this stuff and it was just like oh and they started it and I was captivated and it was the most amazing thing ever and it totally changed my life um 
so those are those are two things that I, I truly love and um, some other things that bring me joy reading and taking walks uh, I live outside of um, a town and so we have plenty of area and we have mountains around us and it's quite beautiful and so being able to to be outside planting growing things sometimes killing things um, that's not the intention but sometimes they do die on me and uh, I love to travel too as you were in Chile I was in Buenos Aires and I've been to some other eclectic places as well I did um, a four-month sabbatical and I did two and a half months in South America. So I, I did Buenos Aires as well. We did kind of Lima to Buenos Aires overland. That's so cool. Yeah, um, yeah it's good fun. So I think those things are really important, right? They're kind of random, but everybody has what those things are that light them up from the inside. What are some of the things that you love to do? Oh, no one asks me that. I mean, <laughs> we've kind of talked about Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Um, but I, I do love reading as well. And I love Pride and Prejudice. I love like Lord of the Rings and kind of Marvel superior stuff and Wonder Woman and yeah, and kind of music. And I've got really into, um, K-pop band at the moment. So that's the thing. Um, but I think because the travel is like a big thing that lots of people really enjoy, but I think these other little things like the books and the films, at the moment is so important because we can't just get on a plane and go to these amazing places especially right now mm. yeah i i'd really love i haven't been to asia i've been everywhere else um other continents but i haven't been to asia so i am i'm looking forward to that but i have to give it a bit of a wide berth right now <laughs> yeah it, it's on my wish list as well and and um yeah, definitely. So my next question for you is what makes life meaningful for you? So when I'm able to have a connection with someone, um, whether I am presenting to a larger group or whether I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, that really makes things meaningful for me. Um, it doesn't always have to be in like person, like physically. I can do that uh, virtually. That's fine. But I really enjoy being able to listen, being able to be present with that person. I didn't realize how much I wasn't being present until I started meditating and I started um, learning more about what that looks like. And so I really enjoy being able to say, I want to come and, and work with this person, meet them where they're at and just be present with what's going on for them and listen. A lot of times we don't have someone in our lives that listens very frequently or very well yeah that's so true because I think sometimes we think we're listening but we're not and I've definitely been guilty of it a little bit in this actually because I try and like really listen my coaching and that kind of background but then like when you talk about Pride and Prejudice I'm like oh my god I'm really into that as well so but that's our natural thing isn't it like they said that and this is my chance to talk about myself and we don't really have people who will just sit and just listen and they will kind of push all that to one side and just be there with you like you said meeting you where you are and listening to you and it's so powerful yeah so I and and being able to be out in nature that's really gives my life a lot of meaning for me sure um being able to be where I live and and grow things and um be going up to the mountains and cross-country skiing and snowshoeing and hiking and and all that stuff fishing and stuff so that's really important sounds amazing and where I live, we, I mean, we don't really have mountains, 
and definitely not snow. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, just fun. Okay, so uh, joy and meaning are, are kind of two of the big topics we talk about. But the other big one that we talk about a lot is mental wellness, and that's our sort of big focus. And obviously, burnout is so linked to that. So, I have two questions around this for you. The first is what does mental wellness mean to you? And then the second is how you look after your own mental well-being. Yeah, so I didn't really, four years ago, I couldn't have answered that question. I couldn't, I would have had no idea. I'd have been like um, eating vitamins to keep my brain healthy, maybe. I don't know. Um, And now, so like I said, part of my burnout experience was starting to meditate. And what's really funny is that I had a lot of judgment towards meditation and was like, this is woo woo stuff. And I just, I don't think this is really going to work. This isn't really for me until I read an article about shifting the brain. Um, and when you're in burnout and a lot of times you've trained your brain and your neurons in order to be very reactive. And so you just respond to everything and it's like a, a lightning bolt and it's like, respond, 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 respond. And, and maybe later on you're like, I wish I hadn't shown up that way, but that's what happened. And then you can retrain your brain with meditation to be more reflective and take that pause, that beat. So when something comes at you, instead of having to engage or instead of having to just explode and get frustrated and upset, it's almost like it's this bullet speeding by you. Um, And that was a really big shift for me. And I don't meditate super long. I meditate in short amounts, but it really helps me when I'm working through frustration or even if I'm trying to wake up in the morning or if I want to be more present I meditated before we got on today because I wanted to be present with our conversation and it's helped me realize that a lot of times I wasn't being present so part of my mental well-being part of my mental health is being able to say okay I need to meditate on a on a consistent basis as much as I can and say that this is an important part of how I take care of myself, and also how I have a pulse on where am I at. If I can't take five to 10 minutes just to sit down and meditate, I'm probably pushing too hard, I'm too busy, I'm overcommitted, whatever that looks like. And then with coronavirus, so let's talk about what's currently happening. Um, My husband has, in uh, the school where he works, they've all gone digital, right? So now he's home and I work from home. So now we're both home all day long together. And that has been really um, something we've had to work through, something we've had to figure out, like we're not eating lunch and breakfast and dinner together, because if we do that by the end of the day, we have nothing to talk about because I know it's happened is in a whole day. And so we've had to shift some of that stuff. And part of that is also acknowledging when I need additional support. So with meditation, another way that I have mental health and get mental support is when um, sometimes I reach out to a counselor. So I have done that to get some other feedback and then from another source to say, what could this look like? This is what's showing up. Um, this is where we're struggling with this relationship part of it. And that's in, including um, how we're showing up and where our mental health is at and needing to take breaks and all that stuff that's happening right now that normally we're not confronted with. And so I find that my mental health weaves in and out of all these other things, my business, my relationships, um, my, my own life, my own work-life balance, and that I have more and better mental health, I guess, when I, I am 
closer to reaching that balance between, oh, it's the end of my day and I'm cleaning up my workspace and having that as a routine to say, I'm done. I'm not going to continue working. Even if I need to have reminders, that's another way that I help with my mental health of being like, this is when the day is done. This is when you have free time to remind myself to be like, oh, wow, it's already that time. I'm going to choose to continue working, wrap this up, or no, I'm totally done. I've overworked. Like I need to wrap it up and be done. So those are some different ways that I support my mental health. But I once heard someone talk about it. It's kind of like having a garden and you can plant things and sometimes they grow and sometimes they don't, but you have to continually weed it. And meditation is kind of like the watering and self-care sort of watering your mental garden but making sure that you pay attention to it and weed it as things grow up or you have to deal with new challenges. Coaching also helps with my mental health. I have a coach as well as coaching other people. So those are all components of how I address my own mental health and pay attention to that as well as um, get support. And thank you for sharing all of those. And I think the, the support I think that links back to the self-awareness we talked about of being able to recognize in yourself, actually, I maybe need a little bit of additional support from somebody and being able to ask for that because that can be hard in itself. And I loved where you said about the finding the five to 10 minutes of meditation. And if you haven't got time to do it, because that's so often, and I've said it myself, that thing when people like don't meditate, they're like, oh, I don't have time. And it's, like you said, five, 10 minutes, and if you really do not have five, 10 minutes in your life, yeah, needs to be looked at maybe. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great opportunity to pay attention to that. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't, I don't have that time, then being like, what is taking up that time? Are you giving it to other people? Are you using it on yourself? Maybe that's your self-care and, and how you do your own mental health. That's fine. You can choose what you want to do. But I think it's important to have that awareness that a lot of times people don't even have about, well, I don't really do anything for my mental health. And that's one of the things I work with my clients on too, is being like, how are you addressing your mental health? Because I, I used to not, and now I am. And it's, it's really important. Absolutely. And that's part of the message of the podcast. So thank you for just like summarizing it. So nice. So my next question, the, the other thing we, we talk about a lot is mindset. And I know we've talked quite a bit about different ways of kind of shifting your mindset and how you view things. But I always challenge the guests that come on to try and describe their own mindset. <laughs> so I think there's two parts to it. The first one, I try and keep it really simple. And I try to just evaluate, does it give me energy? Does it not give me energy? And if it doesn't give me energy, how can I change it, modify it, make it look different, release it, say no to it, delete it, whatever I need to do. And that sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's relationships. Sometimes that's people. Sometimes that's, that's things that I've committed to and being like, I really, I overcommitted myself to this and it needs to look different. And I'm sorry, I didn't have what I thought I did. I didn't have as much as I thought I could give you. Um, so those are hard conversations, but I just try and keep that dichotomy really um, black and white about how I feel, not how someone else around me feels or what they want, but how I feel about that. So that one's really good, how I make decisions. Um, and I think then the other mindset is that I need to make sure 
that I am including self-care in every part of my day. So what I mean by that is that just with meditation, a lot of times people feel like self-care needs to look a certain way and they feel like it needs to happen when they're really stressed or when they're overwhelmed with a big project or because something is going on for them. And instead, I challenge them that what if you took 15 minutes each day and you did something that makes you smile, that you feel great afterwards, whether it's reading a book, taking a 15-minute nap, taking a 15-minute walk, um, taking a bath. I, you could do a 15-minute one, but I would suggest at least doing 30 minutes because baths are lovely. Um, but looking at it from the point of view of if you break it up, then you'd spend over the course of a week, you might spend an hour, an hour and a half doing self-care. And when it becomes more of a habit, then it's less likely to build up this, this um, almost resistance to doing it. And then it's like a thing on your to-do list. And then you're like, I hate this and it's not fun. So whatever that looks like for you, sometimes people are like, can I watch TV? Is that self-care? And I tell them, I'm like, if it gives you energy when you're done, then yes, that's self-care in my point of view. Other people may challenge me on that and that's fine. But in the end, I feel like it's really important to just acknowledge where am I at? What is serving me? What is not serving me? And how can I release the things that are not? And sometimes during coronavirus, there have been some things that my husband has done that definitely do not serve me. And I like quiet and he likes music and he likes to play music all the time. And it's been driving me crazy right? So then instead of being like, well, you're done, you're out, no more, I can't handle this. Um, we had to have a conversation about it and say, how can we make this work for both of us? So he has chosen to wear headphones. Um, and then at night, he can play music. And that's so he can get his music during the day, but I don't have to listen to it. And it's really shifted. And it may seem like a really simple, small, silly thing but it helps a lot with where I was at, my energy, um, his energy without me getting mad at him all the time because I was tired of listening to his music, whatever that is. So that's just an example of, I'm not saying always that you can cancel or delete it or leave it or walk away. Sometimes you have to be creative about what it looks like. And that means having an open conversation about how you feel about it. And I guess if you can make it, like you said previously, that, this is what I need and this is about me rather than being like you are doing this and you're irritating with this if you make it about how you feel then they can't really be like no you don't feel that because it's your your feeling and it feels less confrontational or less of an attack doesn't it if it's like this is how I'm feeling rather than you are really irritating me now and you need to stop which feels like an attack and um <laughs> yeah and I also think uh, like you're saying that it's it's different for different people so different things will be different self-care but I find for me and I don't know if this is true for you as well that actually sometimes what works for me is self-care will change depending on my mood generally or if I'm more or less tired so just because I don't know I'll use the tv example so say watching tv sometimes that might be my self-care but it might be one day that actually that's not where my head's at and it's something else so I don't know if that's true for you as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's why I make it fluid. That it's like, okay, I need to make sure that during my lunchtime that I'm taking lunch away from my desk as well as I'm taking some, a few minutes to sit outside 
or to, and be in the sun, which really fills me up. I love that. Or to read a little bit or to take that walk or whatever it is. But instead of making sure that it's like this set schedule and I'm going to go and do this at this time every day, which doesn't work for me and can work for some people, that's fine. But it doesn't work for me like that. But instead I get to say, okay, so of all the things that I like to do that fill me up, that make me feel awesome, what do I feel like doing right now? And then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to go do that thing. And it's really exciting and fills me up and, and, and is good. And sometimes, sometimes I choose the wrong thing, right? Sometimes I, uh, I'm doing something for somebody else instead of for myself. So that's really why I encourage people with self-care, evaluating how you feel afterwards. Because if you're going to the gym to work out for someone else, then you may have some endorphins, but you may not feel like really great afterwards. But if you're doing it for yourself, then afterwards being like, oh yeah, this is awesome. That was great. I'm really excited to go and do that. So just paying attention to your motivation. And in the end, learning to listen to yourself. I think we just cram it down with all these other expectations that we feel like are around us and that no one acknowledges, oh, this is what I did to take care of myself. This is what I'm doing for my mental health. This is my self-care routine. Everyone's like, oh, I'm so burnt out. I'm so tired. I'm so frustrated. I hate my job. And no one really talks about what they're doing to take care of themselves. Yeah, so true. So true. So that leads nicely into my penultimate question for you. Uh, so I always um, ask guests to leave the listeners with between one and three tips of really practical things that they can do that they can try out in their life that are really going to help them. So could you share one to three things with us? Yes. So they're going to sound really simple and you're going to be like, the why I already. And if you are doing it already, then awesome. Keep doing it because it's really important. So number one, take lunch away from your desk and make sure you take lunch. Like I don't care what you eat. I don't care when you do it, but you need to take lunch. You need to take that physical break. You need to step away from the computer, especially with coronavirus and working from home. It's so important to physically leave the area where you are working. So if you're working at the table in your kitchen, then go find someplace else, go sit on the porch or something like that, um, where you can be away from your workspace because it gives you a physical break as well as that mental break. And as I was saying earlier, you can increase your productivity by taking a break. If you take a nap, you can increase it by 20%. Um, but just taking like even a five minute break can increase your productivity. So we, one out of every three people, I think actually take their lunch break. Most people don't. So it's really important to take that lunch break um, and, and move around, right? If you're standing or if you're sitting for while you're working because you're working at your computer, then that physical standing will really help you feel more limber at the end of the day. The second one is to go and take that $5 and spend it on something for yourself. So when you're at the store next, if you just see something that will bring you joy, bring a smile to your face, spend that 5 to $10 on it. And I guarantee you, the more that you do that, the more that you'll start to acknowledge and be like, oh, I love these things. They make me so happy. And you'll see it in other places as well. And then um, the third one, which is something that is simple um, to apply and something that I have become a big proponent of, but that some people still have some judgment around, which is fine, um, is taking that time 
to be present. That can look like meditation for you. That can look like um, prayer if you're religious. That can be an opportunity just to breathe in and out, time yourself. You don't have to follow a meditation routine, but I found that just five minutes can really help shift my attitude. It can change my perspective. It can make it so that things don't seem as bad as they are or help me wake up or really connect with a person, whatever that is. But it is one of the things that really helped me get out of burnout. And it's an important part of something that I continue to do. And since we're talking about mental health, then I, I just really encourage people to take five minutes. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I think sometimes simple things, they're so effective, aren't they? They just are there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nicole. And if, if people have been listening and they really want to find out more about working with you or connect with you online, where can they find you? So they can go to myintuitioncoach.com and on there I have a quick little quiz. It's like two minutes and so they can see if burnout might be showing up for them if they'd like more information. And they can also learn how to get out of burnout themselves. Um, by attending my webinar that is also on the homepage that you can find that there. Or you can email me at info at myintuitioncoach.com if you have a specific question. Awesome. Thank you so much, Liz. And we can absolutely link in the show notes to your site so awesome. people can find you from there. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you about a topic that I'm really interested in generally and also getting to geek out a little bit. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice has been fun. <laughs> So, it was so, so much fun, Hannah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So thanks again to Nicole for joining us and sharing her amazing wisdom with us. And as I said, there's lots that I really, um, really could go on about reiterating that Nicole said, but I think the idea of being present is so important for really feeling the joy in life which is something you know we're all about here but also for that kind of self-awareness piece and being able to tune in to yourself and how you're feeling it's so valuable for the quality of our friendships and uh, feeling that depth of connection so really just being present and it is one of those five pillars of well-being that I've mentioned before so yeah, however that looks for you, whether it is a meditation practice, whether it's prayer, whether it's going for a walk, whatever it is that helps you kind of be present, be connected. Um, as I've said before, for me, wild swimming is one of them. And I had a great beach day yesterday where I got to go and swim in the sea, uh, which really helps me feel present and connected. It doesn't have to be, you know, a really structured practice. It really, I guess, one of our big messages that we keep coming back to is that we are all unique individuals. So as much as we're sharing suggestions on the podcast and I share suggestions, our guests share suggestions with you, it's about getting to know yourself. So by all means, try things out. Um, we encourage you to give things a go. But figure out what works for you so that you have your very own set of strategies that work to help you give you a pick-me-up when you need one that help you calm down, that help you de-stress, that help you recognize where you're at. You know, it's really about being your own self and being okay with who you are and all of that. So I hope you've enjoyed both episodes this week. I hope you're doing good. 
I would love to know what you would spend your five dollars on five or ten dollars if you were going to treat yourself so send me a a message or comment on our post on uh, social media and let us know and as always we are at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e you may have noticed if you follow us on social media that I've been doing the rounds a bit on a couple of other shows so last week we were joined by Tracy Maxfield on our show and I was on her Engage, Educate and Power podcast as well. So check that out. And on Monday, I was on the Elevate with Janessa McKenzie podcast. So check that one out as well. So I'm talking about bullying and childhood mental health with Tracy. And I'm talking about mindset and imposter syndrome with Janessa. So yeah, check those out. Let me know. Um, I've got a few more exciting podcasts uh, speaking things coming up in the in the future so yeah stay tuned for those as well and as always I hope you have a good week look after yourself be kind to yourself and remember to make some time for your self-care quite often we tell ourselves it's selfish or that we don't have time but it is so important for your well-being and for being able to sort of show up and be present for those that matter to you so yeah Take some time for yourself this week and I will speak to you on Monday. Take care. Bye.